0: And for me, the, the, the speaking of unveiling the whole is about stepping back into the participatory universe, understanding that our way of seeing is also affecting how we and the place shows up and, and becoming truly responsible participants in something that we can't control, but we can dance with.
1: Hey everyone welcome back to the making permaculture stronger podcast this is dan palmer your host and today i share a lovely conversation with daniel christian wall a majorca-based german whose work i've known about and respected for quite some years he's he's well known for his book designing regenerative cultures which came out in 2016 he also has a very prolific medium page you can find at DesignForSustainability.medium.com and a series on youtube called voices of the regeneration a series of amazing conversations you can find by going to youtube and looking up his name daniel christian wall it's w a h l before we jump in i'll mention that on other fronts something that is super alive for me right now is the the online workshop i'm holding space for with my my friend colleague james andrews uh, on the subject of living design process and i i'm just it's just incredible the experience of this thing. I not not only does it feel like the cat is out of the bag internationally with Living Design Processes, this rigorous, deep, communicable approach to the design and creation of anything that humans create—landscapes included, but businesses, relationships, organisations, etc. You can head over to LivingDesignProcess.org to catch more of that story. And I'm finding that. I'm getting so much value out of really exploring the material together, right now we're exploring Christopher Alexander's sense of a pattern as a tension resolving way of of moving with a situation as we steward the emergence of deeper and deeper layers of wholeness, life and beauty and I'm using these patterns, this approach in my own work and I wanted to give you a hint that there's some massive shifts happening in my relationship to this project and in terms of how I'm sharing my work more broadly with the world, I look forward to or having the details emerge more clearly for me and sharing with them with you in due course. Meantime, let's jump on in with Daniel, enjoy the conversation, and I will catch you in the next episode. So I'm feeling joy to be looking at and about to have a lovely conversation with Daniel Christian Wall. Thank you for joining me today, Daniel.
0: Thanks for inviting me. I'm glad we finally found a time that we both speak from other ends of this beautiful planet to each other. Yeah.
1: Fully, fully.
0: It, it feels very
1: appropriate to me. There's, a, there's somehow a rightness. You know, I've known about your work for a long time. Your book came out quite a while ago, right? A decade or more?
0: Uh, no, it came out in 2016. Oh, OK. Um, wow. Yeah.
1: There you go. Six years ago. Yeah. Yep. Which was Designing Regenerative Cultures. And I know that's had a really big effect. You know, a lot of people mention that to me. So you're you're a real a known figure in in the realm of, of regenerative work, and that's a huge focus of this show too. So I'm so glad to be engaging with you and inviting you into into this into the space of the show.
0: Um, I find it fascinating to sort of reflect on how in the last six years I certainly have put my head above the radar range and somehow the book helped with that but really the the journey goes back for at least 20 years and i mean i could start started in my childhood as well and um, so it's it it's interesting because i had before, prior to publishing the book i had at least a decade of dancing with this oh let's be humble let's keep learning i i don't know nothing um, and and then eventually getting to the point of well yeah but if I don't share what I've been given by all my mentors and what I've made sense out of that mm-hmm. now, when will I? So yeah, yeah, it's an interesting point. And I think everybody gets to that point where you, yeah. where you sort yeah. of ready to step into sharing what you've learned as well as keep learning, hopefully. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Well, thanks for stepping across that line. And I, I, I would love to, if you're up for giving us a concise, yeah, a little bit where, where, where you're at in the world and, how you've gotten to be where you are now and then i'd love to just dive in and really ask what you're passionate about right now what's what's happening with, with your work and your focus
0: yeah so really because there's plenty of places where people can look up the the whole story and i've told it mm. many times. but but I'm, I'm german originally um i've, I've done a, a bit of a journey from originally being a biologist and a zoologist to getting disheartened by science and um, leaving it, becoming a diving instructor, then finding out that Schumacher College did this thing called a master's in holistic science, and being fascinated by that because it was addressing all, all my shortcomings, like all, all the things that frustrated me about science in the first place. Okay. And then at Schumacher, realizing that design was really how we put all this conceptual framework and the organizing ideas we have into practice. And so ending up doing a PhD in design for human and planetary health in 2006, when everybody looked at me like I was crazy when I was talking about planetary health. And and since then, that's caught on, not necessarily through my work, but the, the sign of the times was such that people brought that idea forward. And yeah, and where, where am I? Um, about 12 years ago, I moved to Mallorca, partially because I have a deep love for the Mediterranean due to my grandmother spending time with me here when I was little, but also because Mallorca is an island and I've always felt that the bioregional scale, and this is getting to what's my passion at the moment, is the scale that is the sort of lost um, golden middle in this discourse between globalization and ultra-localization, self-reliance, self-sufficiency, two acres and uh, one acre, two spades kind of philosophy. Um, And and for me, bioregionalism, like having lived the the localization, like being very much Schumacher inoculated by having spent time at Schumacher College, um, I, I spent a lot of time focused on eco-villages and transition towns, lived at Finton for four years. And over and over again, I realized that the scale at which the whole thing just goes click is when we start thinking roughly bioregional, like watershed scale. And um, and Mallorca is tempting as that because it's an island and mm-hmm. um, 12 years into the journey of getting to know this bioregion and getting to know how to Dance with all of its community, human and not human.
1: Yeah, I always feel a sense of relief as you, as I imagine the shortness of the conversation about where where does this bioregion region stop and starts. Like we're in Ireland, it's done. <laughs> Next, whereas so <laughs> yeah. often that's a very long conversation that the boundaries. Exactly. Drifting
0: That's around. the trick. <laughs> 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 is, you are off the bio region. but even that like has led to people saying, "Wait a minute, is it really Mallorca or is it the Balearic mm-hmm. Marine oh, yeah. Island Archipelago bioregion? region?" And I'm beginning to think the latter. Like, mm-hmm. um, it's it's beautiful scale linking design again that there are four islands of different sizes, and and really they're made by the sea that connects them. Yes. And so yeah. so thinking of Mallorca as one of the Pieces in that, well, not pieces, but living organs in that um, being.
1: Yeah, that's that's fascinating. It's fascinating. Having spoken with Carol Sanford about this kind of thing in the nested holes and where you stop and start, often my thinking has been in a on a larger body of land where it is about finding the what we usually call the watershed, and she calls the life shed boundaries and so on. But when you're talking about a collection of of islands in motion, it's a different conversation. Suddenly, it becomes in a way like it goes in the opposite direction of like. Well, where where the, the line becomes fuzzier than that's the top of these ridges.
0: Yeah, yeah, but it, it, at the same time, it, it, that's what I love about it because it. Um, for example, I'm, I'm I'm now working with um, a friend of mine who's Australian originally, um, who like me um, was a scuba diving instructor, and. About 12 years ago, we got together and he said he wanted to set up a little association that um, helped to protect the the rays in the Bay of Parma. And he's just gone from strength to strength and now runs an organization called Save the Med, which has its focus on the regeneration of the Balearic Seeds. But his focus, because we've been in kind of friendly dialogue for a long time about where can we take this, has become regeneration in this, like seeing the potential of the Balearic islands being a model of how marine regeneration and terrestrial regeneration has to integrate. Yeah. And because we're like on the one hand, like in, in the kind of regenesis Carosanfield lineage of, of its place source, it, like it could never be any anything that you copy-paste somewhere else. Yeah. else. But because it is a Mediterranean bioregion, it is quite significant for quite a lot of places around the world in, in terms of abstracting patterns or, or learning mm-hmm. from patterns rather than abstracting patterns. Yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm seeing huge potential here. And that's like the longer I live here, the longer I also see that, or the more I see that because Mallorca is so heavily addicted to tourism, this paradox or bizarre... Connection of two worlds, regenerative tourism—that far too many people are using without knowing what what it's about—is is possibly one of the keys of transforming this bio region because you it like it's so heavily addicted to tourism that without transforming tourism, you can't transform Mallorca. But if you transform Mallorca, you transform tourism, and that would ha- also have a massive ripple effect through other because i think five of the largest hotel chains um of the 20 largest hotel chains in the world are owned by spanish families and they live on mallorca um so it's it's quite significant in terms of i mean, not that i believe that global tourism has a future if i'm honest but that's what what we're working with here this bizarre clash of tourism that has been the wedge of the capitalist system destroying paradises like Mallorca in many places, having to reinvent itself. And even if it's in its own transformative death throes, it could actually become a motor of relocalization and resilience building in the communities where tourism is currently the main thing. And that's that's where I'm sort of coming from, if it, trying to work with the industry to start thinking about how they could Become their own, like work with local cooperatives that produce renewable energy, that produce organic food, that celebrate local story of place, tradition, um, the past and the future. That innovate, but, but have the have the tourism industry not ask what can they do for us, but what we can we do for them because we bring tourists here still. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, maybe that's that hopeful.
1: Thank you. One note: I'll, I'll, I feel like it maybe it's, it's a maybe that we could come back to later. But I when you talked about the fact that when you're walk, working from a place source or a generative paradigm, there's a real, well, there's an awareness of and a, dis, a, a disinclination toward copy and paste. And yet, at the same time, there's there's this idea of being able to abstract patterns that, on the one hand, are generic but are still flexible enough to inform utterly unique outcomes or, or approaches in other places yeah I'd, I'd be curious to explore that more but let's just just as, as a note because i think it's quite it's quite rich
0: right i think it's a, it's a you, you nailed it because there is that i mean i think that is the tension of I love the framing that Carol and through Carol also Regenesis use of moving from the solutioneering and problem-solving mindset to the revealing of potential. And because to me, and like with the topic of this, this podcast and like making permaculture stronger reminds me that this, this links to Christopher Alexander's challenge to permaculture, like may he rest in peace and shame that we've lost him just recently. Mm -hmm. Um, But the, 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 the challenge as far as I understood it was that that he spoke to a notion of wholeness that is not additive. So it's not a mechanistic whole where you have lots of parts and you put them together a bit like can be misunderstood. I'm not to offend any permaculture designer out there because I know most people have got this by now, but it can be misconstrued as if it's a sort of put them all together, here are the principles, and then you've got your design and then implement the design and and it can become rigid, uh, like any kind of system can become rigid. And um, what what I think both Carol and this issue of place sourced rather than copy paste uh, um, speaks to is that holds on like i love the the notion that um i know from henry boethius who wrote a book called the wholeness of nature which speaks about Goethe and science actually and, and and he he was a mentor of mine and, and henry calls this the difference between counterfeit and additive wholes yeah. yeah. and additive wholes is the whole that is the sum of its parts it's the reductionist yeah. if we just understand all the parts we can put our understanding together and we understand the whole. Yeah. And obviously we know that that's mistaken by now, yeah. eh? but we still run on that logic in in much of what we do in in our solutioneering in COP26 and all of that and the, the technology will ride over the hill and save us mindset. And for me, the, the the speaking of unveiling the whole is about stepping back into the participatory universe, understanding that our way of seeing is also affecting how we and the place shows up and, and becoming truly responsible participants in something that we can't control, but we can dance with to the point that we we actually have to have the audacity of saying, yes, we're part of this system and everything we do will change the system and fully understand that. Like, I have a friend who was a professor for system science at um, at the University of Hull, um, Professor Gerald Mitchley, and, and he coined this for me. Coined this phrase: "Everything is an intervention. Everything gardens, mm-hmm. uh, um, everything is an intervention." Means everything affects everyth- e- everything. Everything, um, every thought, word, and action that we utter has agency. And once we once we're there, then then we have to take responsibility for that agency, despite the fact that we know we can never predict and control what we're kicking loose, so to speak. And and, and it's that dance of of kind of audacity and humility at the same time yeah. that yeah. I think yeah. that this notion speaks to that, no, please don't solution here and copy paste and find the abstracts and say, oh, now that we've done a little bit of a turn in the right direction on this island and um, we're going to have a copy paste um mm-hmm. join this online course and do it on your island totally, island totally yeah. yeah
1: yeah yeah here's 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 the template or the formula hey i i, I just thoroughly enjoyed what you, that whole piece what you just said was beautiful yeah, yeah crystal alexander is the last um episode was a was honoring and celebrating his life He's had an absolutely massive impact, and in a way, I, one way I was thinking about it recently was that this project and, and my my passion, my work, is sourced in Alexander, inspired by Alexander, and then very deeply enriched and informed along the way by Carol Sanford Regenesis ideas, as well as Clint Callahan possibility management and other places, including Henry Bortoft.
0: And mm-hmm. I feel
1: like it'd be lovely to invite a little more of his profound. In, insight, and and as you said, he he was deeply interested and fascinated by Goethe, um, and brought a huge amount of clarity into this this approach to science, which contrasted with the the, the Newtonian mechanistic approach. And um, what you what you talked about there, I was so glad that you said that, because so much of my work is is really trying to land this point um, in permaculture about the very the the, the the depth of the cultural rut to think in the holders of some of its parts frame and 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 what are the parts how do we going to add them together and even even realizing that that same approach applies when we think about the process of at of adding them together so we actually we we have this thing called design and we have this thing called implementation this thing called evaluation we're actually a- adding those together to create a design process so how how do we how do we how are we designing design but i remember i think was, i'm pretty sure it was page nine of the wholeness of nature who david seaman put me onto who you probably know <laughs> Um, and my God, that just changed so much for me. He put it so cl- clearly. And I, w- one topic that he he speaks to beautifully, I'd love to hear you um, share on, given that he was a mentor of yours, is this idea of authentic, an authentic part, and and how that relates to belonging. And this idea of, of the contrast between inauthentic and an, an authentic part, and um, and and also the relationship between part and whole. It was it was Henry Bortoff that really helped me. Intellectually grasp and then experience in my body and in my projects the sense in which to to approach the whole is to approach the part. You know that the whole actually shines or twinkles through the parts, which is just so weird for people and hard to grasp initially, and so profoundly rich and and useful in practice for me. Anyway,
0: yeah, no, it it. it I mean, this now, we're, wow, we've we've just dropped really deep, really quickly. <laughs> Ultimately, to, to my mind understanding that paradox of how we can be two separate individuals and yet at the very same, like in our case right now, you're literally on the other side of the globe. It's very early in the morning for you and it's quite late at night for me here on on Mallorca. We're both on islands, you're on New Zealand, I'm on Mallorca. Yet we're both expressions of a living planet that is floating at vast speed through space in a tiny little solar system in a much, much larger system. And that kind of both and that at the level of that planetary ecological self-identity, what Ananess and the deep ecologists speak to as as, as the the ecological self, eh? we're we're immortal. We're part of life's ongoing process. And for for me, this speaks to the heart of regeneration um, of of life is a regenerative impulse and a generative impulse. Like Janine nailed it by saying, life creates conditions conducive to life as the sort of essence lesson of what has biomimicry learned studying life. Um, she didn't say, oh, fancy technology for this company. Like, I mean, that's what mimicry sells. But the essence of it is life creates conditions conducive to life. And, and that's a good one. That's, that's saying that over 3.8 billion years, life has created conditions so more life could flourish. And that while there seems to be on the surface something like competition between manifestations of this larger planetary process called life, ultimately it's a symbiotic process that that improves the conditions for all of life, and we've we've lost that lesson. and And I think that, at the, at, at its essence, this re- relationship, this logic, like it goes back to Plato and the Greeks and and all that. Um, of of the kind of logic we use that something is either A or it is B. It can't, it is impossible. It's illogical that it's A and B. Mm -hmm. Uh So we we assume it's impossible that we could be what we're looking at, despite the fact that all the world's wisdom traditions um, have sentences like the C and the C and Mm R1, or the leading physicists of the turn of the last century said we're not observing nature, we're observing nature exposed to our method of questioning. So they were all speaking to this participatory notion. Goethe was speaking when he when he spoke to, spoke about, oh no, when William Blake, when uh, the, the famous quote, may God us keep from single vision and Newton's sleep was around the same time as Goethe speaking about Newton, like critiquing Newton's v- version of science. Because, what it was trying to hide away was the role of the mind in what it was observing. Yeah. Um, it, it, like what, what Goethe and Goethe and Science and, and, and Henry in his book, The Wholeness of Nature, is trying to get people into it is back into the phenomenon. Like Goethe was a phenomenologist before phenomenology was official a scientific or you know, a, a, a philosophic discipline. Um, because he was interested in how the world comes into being through the way we make sense of it. And that relates to the relationship to the whole parts. Sorry for this very long. I love this. This is
1: beautiful, yeah. they, they,
0: Because Henry explained it to us at the Masters in Holistic Science through what's called the hermeneutic circle, yeah. which is interesting. When you mm. pay attention to how you make sense out of the meaning of a sentence, and you look at when does the meaning appear? When the sentence is finished or when I'm beginning to hear it, then you, you sort of see that there's, there's, a, there's a loop in the mutic the circle in the, in the meaning making itself. And, and that is kind of an analogy to how the relationship of a healthy part of a fully self-realized, unique essence manifest individual what we what we all been taught to strive, like become the individual, show, show your uniqueness. Mm-hmm. Yeah? It's only possible in the meaningful context of the larger whole that has brought forth that individual. Mm-hmm. So yes, let's all be the most amazing individuals we can be, but not in order to become the next Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates or any of those ridiculous mm-hmm. misguided people, uh-huh, but to really be of service. And, 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 I think that that's what this, this whole notion of um, authentic wholes and authentic parts. How do we become an authentic part? Um, in, in basically understanding that we live in a relational universe and that the only way to be yourself is in relationship to everything else i mean uh, the, like in my book I, I speak a lot about the the framing that, that um, charles eisenstein also picked up from from tit not Hart's, what did uh, not Hunt's wonderful word interbeing. that it's it's just another way of, of speaking to that um of of the that the like henry henry if i can quote him by memory said um a hole is only a hole in a in as much as it lets the parts come forth yeah and a part is only a part in as much as in the in the meaningful context of, of the whole um, yeah. that that's that's the relationship and and yeah. for me that that like to to tie the loop to regeneration that's ultimately well, I would invite all of us when we speak about it, regeneration and regenerative cultures, because um I, I've realized that I made that mistake or it wasn't clear enough. And, yeah. Um it's not about, oh well, Carol Sanford said it first, or or Regenesis said it first, or Charlie Crohn said it first, or JG Bennett said it first, or, or any of that. Um I think it's deeper. Like, Again, I think we're all friends in the work. We're all al- aligned that what we're ultimately talking about is that life functions this way like that that's what life wants to flow this way through us and regeneration has like even biologically speaking or from a from a scientific evolutionary standpoint I, i love just reminding people that there's a very clear scientific argument to be made for the fact that you and i would not be here having this conversation if your ancestors and my ancestors had not been regenerative cultures for 99% of our species history, we simply wouldn't be here. Evolution pardons you 5, 10, 15,000 years. We've, we're kind of chancing it by now. Uh-huh. Um, but it doesn't pardon you for, for, for a million uh, or even 100,000 years. And so, so the very fact that and, and, and that's also the, like the, the healing, like in order to do the work we now need to do in the time we've got left, we can't afford a stupid, misguided, othering conversation around indigenous versus non-indigenous. I'm sorry, I'm going to put my foot into the biggest puddle that I could possibly put it into. We're indigenous to life. And I challenge any indigenous elder, his, his or her, worth his or her name to say that's not true. If we are all speaking in service to life, like, yes, we've, we've caused trauma from the North, but in the North, people have also been colonized by the Romans and, and other barbaric tribes 10,000, 1,000 years, 2,000 years, 3,000 years earlier. So the, the pattern of power over the 5,000 years of the era of empire has trauma traumatized all of us. But, but now we're moving into the planetary era. And that means reconnecting to the wisdom of the past. And that means understanding that we are indigenous to life. And anybody who says, I'm indigenous, you're not indigenous, is playing the same game of the oppressor. Anybody who says this is appropriation of indigenous knowledge is playing the bloody IP, intellectual property right game that the oppressor has put into their mind that they're, they're not seeing that They've been brainwashed, uh, and now I'm, I'm really getting off myself. <laughs> I, I love it. I love, I love I'd it. I'd love you to push back on this one, but I, I just feel like I'm so passionate about it because I feel let's let's move on, let's pasa página, like they say in Spanish. Yeah, we, yeah. we we have so much to learn from our indigenous elders, and, and New Zealand is the hotspot of of regenerative practitioners who are Ma- Maori and, and 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 are blending this and and i i'm in awe of what what's going on in new zealand um and and let's let's heal together not kind of um, the power carousel i
1: hey so so this is so rich i'm i'm just i'm really i'm really being nourished by by all of this and there's so many incredible threads at least several of which i want to come back to but i want to share that i interviewed tyson young kaporta some some point 6 months ago or something and um at the very beginning before that, I'd interviewed a beautiful person called Leah Penniman from Soul Fire Farm in the States, and she'd she'd bought some of the reality of that, this perspective for herself that she saw permaculture as a as a appropriation game, and there's an important conversation to be had there. But I, I asked Tyson to reflect on this more general pattern at the very beginning. He said something like, "Dude." We just gotta relax, you know, just relax, just chill out. Like enough of this, I think he's called it something like lateral green violence. You know, it's just burning energy and achieving nothing, same old drama. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't have an impulse to push back. Like what you're saying resonates with me as a healthy conversation. You know, acknowledging that it's it's the beginning of a healthy conversation. It's not a it's not like a um, a loophole or a ticket out of the hard work, but it's like it lets the conversation begin,
0: so. but I, I find that this is again the, what I'm learning from Carol and from from Regenesis and the power of place, the the way that mm. the minute and then this also re- relates to what we were talking about earlier: authentic, real in mm. our face, the phenomenon, mm. not the abstract. Mm. Like the minute you heal the trauma in place with what we would call indigenous people who are still in this place and and the what we would call settlers or whatever in in many places of the world but the minute they work together through learning from place and as expressions of place they become one unit again and and the discourse becomes healing not not complicated it's when we abstract it and we have long conversations in the abstract about the relationship between the indigenous and the settler or the oppressor or um it's and also that the whole healing of trauma only can happen in in the specific in the facing in the in the in the active listening um in the sharing circle and yeah mm-hmm.
1: yeah well, thanks for thanks for that for, for bringing that in um, I, I want. I really wanted to to circle back to when you, when you were speaking about Bortoft, it really landed with some force. That that thing. I think some some people. I don't know if Bortoft. Some people have called it the preconceptual fallacy. Or a philosopher, called John Dewey, called it the philosopher's fallacy. And it's something when I'm working practically with what I'm calling living design process, which is massively informed by Alexander and Bortoft, and there's so much around bringing whole and part into authentic relationship again. So both can, so the parts can be authentic reflections of the whole, and they, the whole and part can emerge in this hermeneutic cir- circle, this bootstrapping thing you're talking about. Like inviting myself and others into this experience of realizing, in a way, how sneaky the mind is. You know, like, because we, we arrive at a place, let's say, or at a project, and an engagement, and then we start talking to the person or the people or looking around the place without any awareness that our mind has already run ahead of us. Sliced it all up, you know. Imposed all this conceptual baggage, uh, and turned it into a certain, kind of, brought forth a certain reality or whatever it is. And then we arrive, not really realizing that's happened, right? And we think, oh, that all this stuff was already here. It was real. It's objective, and we've arrived, and now here it is. And this is how it is. And um, for for example, I'm looking at the landscape, and clearly it's a it's a um, it's an empty void with a few objects littered about in it, or, or, or whatever it is. Like unconsciously imposing a Newtonian mechanistic perception of space-time, and then and then trying to work or evolve from that place. When the it's like we've we 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 so often have unconsciously killed the world or sucked the life out of it, just in the way we start to look at it. You know, let let alone what's possible from there, and the importance of that was something i took away from bortoft in a way healing our eyes or healing our the, the way we initially approach something so we can be present to that life and and also let the life that's indigenous to us and, and the fact that we're indigenous to life let 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 that be there from the beginning
0: this is this is essentially what i find so interesting about that paradox about audacity and humility because with that paradox of being both what we're looking at and and um, who's looking. The who's looking when it gets conscious can grow up to the fact of saying, who am I to know? Who am I to impose? Who am I to judge? Who am I to even say like all the, the, the classic things that Henry um, uses a lot of, of, of saying like when we walk through a forest, we. Like as good permaculture trained people who know our species, um, don't see the tree. We see the species. Most people only see tree. They see the category tree. Um, maybe deciduous tree, coniferous tree. Yeah. Um, but we still see category. We don't see phenomenon. We don't see the tree in front of our eyes. Um, or we don't. That's too much projection. But one could be in that mindset of of, of seeing that way. But then at the same time, I'm, I'm also wondering whether, like I've, I've recently been quite influenced by a couple of visits by um, a guy called Felipe Amato who works with Ernst Goetsch um, and centropic agriculture. And, and he's bringing the centropic agricultural philosophy to the Mediterranean bioregion, lives in Portugal and has a number of projects around the more or less Europe. Um, and that like if we really fully accept that the Cartesian split is a fallacy and we are nature and nature and culture are not separate, and that we've affected because everything is an intervention, that we've basically screwed up everything that that that, that all ecosystems are on the move because the climate is changing so much that the temperature gradients from altitude to uh, are changing from latitude are changing. Everything is is being jumbled and pollinators and uh, pollinators are moving apart. And and at the same time, we have this capacity, again, place sourced with care, attention, biophilia, love to, to detail, to be these gardeners of places. And... Not, not in the arrogant, let's force the maximum productivity out of it, but in the kind of responsive dance with the phenomenon, but but still also, and this is what I'm learning from centropic from agriculture. Like when you sit, see the first pictures of the way they prune um, for a permaculture aesthetic, you feel like they're bloody these terrible, they're bastardized. Virtual, <laughs> they, yeah. cut it, they cut it down to a trunk, like how could they? Huh? And then when you hear, well, that tree creates a kind of communication into the root system saying, I need all the energy I can get to regrow. And the forest comes alive to support that tree and support in this mutual symbiotic um, way, synergetic way, support the entire kind of under the, what's going on under the soil. I'm I'm beginning to see a lot of sense in that um, and it, it might might be different from climate to climate but I'm I'm certainly dancing with that on the piece of land I'm I'm now the custodian of mm-hmm. and, and and I'm beginning to s- see more consciously that my role is actually to be a disruptor mm-hmm. which which whoa, sounds horrible doesn't it but but in the kind of resilience adaptive psycho panicky way, you kind of begin to see, ah, no, wait a minute, there is something that is the, the or the the, the Shiva Shakti way, if you want to do the Vedanta, and, or, the, or um like the, the creator and the destroyer. Like mm-hmm. in, in terms of, if at the right scale, you just selectively chop and drop around a certain place, you create a little bit more light in that place and you, you have interfered. But overall, you made the system more abundant and the flora. The, and it's, do, you, do you understand what I'm getting at? That weird oh,
1: 100%. Yeah, yeah. I was remembering all these cases in the past where I've run um, pruning workshops, fruit tree pruning mm-hmm. workshops. Yeah. And You've got these people with their secateurs and and you know like, like they're so nervous to take off one centimeter off the end of the branch, yeah. and 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 I would I would get them taking off two centimeters and ten centimeters, and then some and occasionally you know you'd make a decision to actually get out of chainsaw or whatever it is and cut a peach tree off at the ground at trunk level. Yeah. And, you know, and and so f- for a lot of people coming to this fresh, you've just killed the tree. You've done something bad to nature. You know, you're, you're, you're a person that's harming nature. And then they come back a year or two later and see the, the abundance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and earlier, when you talked about this dance queen or sur- surfing or how, moving from either or to both and, I recalled the, the prompt I got from Christopher Alexander, because when when I'm engaging in what I'm calling living design process in early phases is, is immersing in the people and immersing in what's in their hearts and souls and what they stand for as a real part of the situation that I want to honor and be able to support the unfolding so that what happens isn't being imposed by expertise from outside, but it's, it's sourced not only in place, in the reality of place, it's also sourced in the reality of the people that are getting in a relationship with this place. And at the start, I was very... I was in the humility direction. I was very hands-off and look, however you phrase it, it has to be in your own words. I'm not going to, I'm going to be really careful not to bias you in any way because people are very easily subject to bias. You know, I've come in as a permaculture expert initially and, and they can very easily jump on something I say and say, yes, what you said, that's what we want. And so I'd be very hands-off. And Alexander helped me realize, it, well, he's, he's got a great line, which was that um, it's, it's extremely hard to help people tell you what they want in a deep, at a deep level. And so his image was roll up your sleeves, jump into it, just get into it, you know, and get fully involved and and be very actively involved and be giving them reflections and, and pushing back and disrupting and, and so on. And that really liberated me and really helped me. And I was, yeah, I'm a human and I'm going to bring my own stuff to the situation, but I can evolve my capacity to be outside of an impositional frame and support them to articulate that's so much deeper and clearer and alive and pure and sizzling with a conscious focus spark than they could have ever got to if I was standing at the other side of the room with my hands up here saying, you know, just do what you can, you know, so that it's that, it is that shift and that that dance.
0: It's interesting because it's in, in the, and what I mean exactly with audacity is, is this kind of have the humility of saying shit. Everything I do can transform the system and I have no guarantee that it will be positive. I can intend it to be positive. I can use my best of ecological, social and whatever systemic knowledge to interfere in such a way that what emerges might be positive emergence, but I have no guarantee that it might not be otherwise. Yeah. But the audacity is the kind of, oh shit, yeah, since I can't do anything about that. Like, whether I do or don't do, whether I do consciously the right thing, trying to do the right thing, or whether I dare not to do and therefore humbly just watch the system and let it grow, mm-hmm. I'm also interfering. I'm also making a choice. Mm-hmm. And in that, and, and then you can step into the audacity of say, saying, I'm stuck. Like, whatever I do, I will seriously affect the system. So I might as well give it my best shot and, 100%, and yeah rolling yeah. up the sleep. And
1: I love, I hadn't heard it before, but I love that. Everything is an intervention. What you're, mm-hmm. what you're doing, including if you're doing nothing, who you're being, what you're focusing on, what you're doing with your attention, of course, is a
0: huge intervention. And so, so I, I highly recommend it. Like at some point, if you're in your favorite spot in nature and you're in your set spot, just sit with that sentence. Like it, for me, that sentence, I mean, he's a professor, but it's like a Zen stick. You,
1: yeah. you... <laughs> it resonates very strongly with me with this thing of everyone is always a designer. You know, everyone is always involved in creation and we are inside of creation processes. We are crea- We are creation processes and and creation is flowing through us at all times in the same sense that everything is always an intervention. And so if that's your starting point, it's like, well, there's already something happening here. There's already a hole here. How can we, how can we get in a, a healthy regenerative, transformative, like to me, often it's about mapping the trajectory of the whole, of the of the intervention that's already happening or the design and creation process that's already happening, and, and saying, well, what's the trajectory? Is are we are we getting into one of this very widespread standard degenerative ruts getting deeper and deeper? And what what's the disruptive potential if so to to support a shift to the regenerative updraft to catch that possibility? As I say that, realizing with joy, like there's so much there, right, ready to play along. Like there's there's the whole
0: rest of life. It's like, come on, humans, let's go! You know, exactly. exactly. That's that's what I, I I had a like. It's only in about a about a year that I started very foreground, very much foregrounding in my conversations this issue about we're in, we're indigenous to life and regeneration is nothing new. It's our evolutionary path. We're only coming back to it. And life actually knows how to do it really well and does it all the time. It's part of the evolutionary journey. And so I, I very often speak about this notion of aligning with life's regenerative impulse. It's a bit of a mouthful, but I had one lady write to me afterwards and say, thank you so much up until now, I heard you and everybody else talk about regenerative cultures as some kind of utopian, utopian, better future, good future, that we still needed to create, and that might or might not exist, that was a proposition. And now that I know that Life's entire process is aligned with this, and that all we're doing is to come back after a detour of five or ten thousand years that also gave us all sorts of fancy technology and insights. um, I believe we can do it. I can even I can even start to believe we can do it in the time we've got left. She said, Um, and well, that's another conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But but, but, um, I think that's that's exactly it. Like like to, to to sit in watch your trees in early spring, like I do at the moment. Uh, And like being rejoiced that my pistachio is coming out. I I thought thought nothing was happening, but but seeing it come out a little bit. um, That's the force we're aligning with. And it's happening everywhere on the planet all the time. It's really powerful. And, and and we can take it a step further in terms of the, the whether we've got enough time with it because it relates to the the paradox. I think it's part of the species level rite of passage that we've got to by leaving it so late to change the way of a small proportion of humanity who created this mess, us somewhat included, more or less, indirectly or directly. Uh, um, we, We have this potential to realign and switch this around and and basically do our best to heal places rather than heal the earth, rather than solution near the hell out of climate change, Mm -hmm. to say, in this place, we can build resilience, we can heal the waterways, we can heal the ecosystem, we can anticipate climate change as much as we can, we can store water in the landscape, we can plant species that are more likely to adapt, we, we can sensibly prepare, we can become the anticipatory power of the ecosystem, so- socio-ecological systems with humans inside them, not outside them. Um, and And through that, heal place by place, community by community. And in this not knowing whether we're going to make it or not, that's going to create the most self- reliant resilience in that system anyway so even the negative pathway it's the wise thing to do the positive pathway if we do it everywhere and we support each other globally through collaboration and exchange and solidarity so it can be done in every bioregion of the planet at the same Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. i think we still got a snowball's chance in hell and about that's as much as we've got left but we still have it (laughs) and um and yeah, and since it doesn't matter whether the
1: outcome, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, like, what are you, you, you going to do? So, so, the invitation here or the exploration is to, dis- to dissolve back into the deliciousness, de- deliciousness and the ecstasy of life's regenerative impulse, right? To, to relax back into that and to stop trying uncon- unconsciously, trying so hard in a way to hold ourselves separate, which is actually really hard to do because it's, it's not only that it's like you said, it's all around us. It's what we are. Like, you know, I often invite people to hold their hand up and look at your hand, you know, and how did that come to be? And what's going on right now inside, outside, across the membranes there? It's it's, it's already happening everywhere. And I, and I love the way you phrase that. David Homgren says something similar, which is like, this is, aside from all the great rationale and all that and, and the questions of whether or not it's possible, because I think there can be a, I've had numerous friends, sit with us and kind of try to logically calculate are we totally fucked if so i'm just going to party and whatever just be a be a hedonist and just selfishly enjoy my life as much as i can because we're all going down and my grandchildren aren't gonna whatever they're gonna be wiped out in the apocalypse um versus the, this other direction um which so many different this you know this, this huge amazing synergistic web of of fingers pointing at that moon if you like, permaculture etc and tropic agriculture um, and realizing that it's just it's just so nourishing and enriching it makes so much sense regardless of the question of are we going to make it
0: well yeah and and, and I think it's in this maturing into becoming a mature member in the community of life yeah stopping to be a teenager and saying mama give me, mama Gaya, mama pacha mama give give me, give me, give me but I, I call the rules because I'm humans above nature, culture, above nature. Uh-huh. that's that's teenage behavior. It's when you kind of go, okay, I'm part of this community and my irresponsible behavior for too long has created this community caused this community to suffer yeah. And now I'm stepping into full adulthood in the not not in the kind of we're a cancer on the planet and we are better not be here but yeah. since we're here and there's lots of us let's do the very best that we can heal each and every place that we so badly damaged over the last mm-hmm. 5000 years mm-hmm. and and we can do this and it doesn't doesn't take that much to to re because we have this massive ally which is life to to step into this larger identity of being part of life. But the minute you do that, the question whether we're going to make it, whether we still got time to do it in time, becomes irrelevant. Because you become part of life. And what becomes relevant is that if we leave this planet just this tiny little bit healthier than it is right now, if we brought the oceans back into balance and the forests back and the rivers cleaned up some of our mess. If we don't make it, it doesn't matter because life makes it. And and in the joy of healing a place to the point of really rewilding it uh, to the point that we become wild again, that we become expressions of place rather than owners of place again, which I think is where we went wrong and where where the deepest deepest lesson I can get from indigenous um, knowledge is the key understanding that people see themselves as expressions of place rather than owners of place. Right. And it and, and changes everything. And, and what would it mean if we all tried to become expressions of place again in the tiny little corners of the world that we are custodians of, and that collectively as communities or bioregions, we, we have to nurture in order for it to nurture us. Uh, because we're, it. We're we're part of it. Of yeah,
1: her. yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, and I wanted to mention too that that f- move of framing to even from where the owners to where the healers to we have the capacity to participate in these in these systems healing themselves. You know, it's not us. The healing's not in the not coming from a do good paradigm of we've got this healing tips, whatever and we're transferring to the place. It's like we are relaxing back into place, so the whole thing is regenerating us included. <laughs>
0: It's the, the the whole philosophy of I mean you, you get in the Netherlands and a number of places you now get care farms, where people either people who've gone through trauma through um, through the so-called justice system um, or people who have as repeat offenders or people who have um, psychological trauma of some kind or other are invited to work on organic farms to to reconnect in a way that, that also heals them. That's just one example of where in so many fields we're seeing this biophilic healing relationship as we reintegrate into nature. Like even our science is telling us that you and I are both walking ecosystems. We're not separate. We're, we're full of bacteria that make our healthy stomach flora and skin flora and all of that. Okay. And and it's when, when you really step back into understanding that life is the larger process and we're just like mushrooms and life is the mycelium underneath we're just the fruit head Mm. and it allows you to work for life with the relaxer saying it's all good like the, the the thing that matters is that the whole system heals and and then the, the, the biggest fear, like, I th- why did we go wrong in, uh, so, so much? Why why the story of separation? It's somehow around the fear of death. Or I don't know what comes first. Like, when you separate, you've, you become likely to die. And, and therefore, you create this need for control and manipulation yeah. and prediction in order to harness nature and torture her secrets from her as as bacon might to say in, in the scientific revolution yeah um,
1: yeah i um, hadn't thought about that before it's in a way like yeah like you said what come first but you, you start to get separate from nature and it and that fear of death comes up and so and one of the things is well i need is i need to separate myself more like i need as 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 many insulated walls and square kilometers of concrete or whatever as possible between me and the universe and as much money in my bank account. I wanted to say I appreciate you bringing in the responsibility conversation, moving from child through adolescent, teenager to adult level responsibility, and and also acknowledge that one thing I took from your book was the the value of of a good question, you know, as opposed to jumping into an answer. Just really sitting in the question and letting that be a generative practice and. This conversation is seeding new beautiful new questions for me. And one of them would be something like, what would it mean? Like acknowledging that I'm already intervening constantly. I'm already in design and creation. Everything is already an intervention. What would it mean for that, for the intervention I'm I already am or and I'm already making to be sourced in life's regenerative impulse? Like right now, practically.
0: I don't know you that well, but I know you well enough. To feel that you've been doing this for a very long time and um, so you you've put in your own way whether you framed it that way or not mm. are tuning into life's regenerative impulse wanting to come through you and all your teaching your podcasts, your conversations are part of that living the question the the, the power of this living the question framing that, that i initially actually thought of more as an easy way to get out of the, how do you write a book where at the end of each chapter, you tell people that here's a set of principles. And if you follow them, then everything will be hunky-dory and just do the solutions that are listed here. And, and I began to see this, this thing that, that basically, if you look at the history of humanity, you could say that most of our problems were the solutions of previous well-meaning people trying to offer something into our journey. And, and so it would just be entirely arrogant to suggest that even if we all got together, the tribe of regenerates around the world, that our solutions would be any better. And that's also what Carol is getting to with, it's not about offering solutions, it's about building the capacity to journey. It's, about, it's not about giving people fish, it's about teaching them how to fish. And that capacity to journey is living the questions together. Mm. Is like that if you, and, and that's where I would say that even the, the principles of regenerative development as Carol offers them have more power if they're brought into the conversation as a question. And of course, yeah. you name the principle and immediately afterwards you name the question. I'm not saying she isn't doing that. But I, I have come to realize that if we lead with questions, we enable multiple solutions to be offered into the room. And then the collective intelligence can be informed by these solutions as part of the process of listening into place of what wants to be born for real. But if we from the beginning say we're solutionering here somebody's going to muscle in and say this solution is it and here's my data and everybody else better shut up and let's all gather around and implement this and I think that's not worked so well in my experience has it yeah, yeah. <laughs> love that
1: Wow well, let's maybe reflect for a moment so it's this has been our first conversation and I'm I'm, I'm glad you I'm, know I'm thinking I felt I was really touched when you when you acknowledged what you saw in me. And there's this deep yearning and striving and hunger to really honor the fact that I'm a al- I'm alive and that through privilege and other 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 things that there's value here and there's great questions to be asked and, and ways to collaborate with others. This, this, is the thing,
0: this is the thing that I find that our compassionate indigenous perspective on younger brothers like us who have been misguided by their education just as much as so many people around the globe, is that, well, maybe we're not the ones to get beaten over the head as much because at least we're trying to, like so many people are trying to use their privilege with some form of awareness because you cannot, in many ways, hang privilege on a coat hanger and say, let somebody else pick up that coat. It, it happens to be in so many, like, cultural contexts ingrained in, like, we're both, both white males with more education than most people. Uh, that's already privileged. that is very difficult to, to not bring into the room as some form of rank. But the minute you become conscious of it and you you understand that this gives you agency in the system and you don't use it entirely for your own enrichment, but you begin to use it to give voice to somebody who normally doesn't have it, or to name the uncomfortable to the people who just don't want to hear it. I, I think that's, that's valuable. And so, so I think we, we, we shouldn't, like in, in that spirit of, of humble audacity, knowing that it is life herself three point like I remember Joanna saying this to me once and it always helped me since when I got the the, the GVs before going on to a big stage she said she looked at me in this this way that only she can like like, like a dharma teacher <laughs> you feel like you're in, in the presence of of a larger being and she said Daniel when you go on stage you just think of you speak with the authority of 3.8 billion years of evolution. This is life speaking. Oof, if you really get into that mindset, then, then it, it lets you say other things. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, that's the audacity bit. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the humil- humility bit is to in any moment after you said this to say, who am I? Like if somebody challenges you to just be water and, mm-hmm. and, work with what they're coming from see whether it's a projection but also be willing to say i might be completely wrong Uh Mm. and because of course i might be Uh, and and anyway that's 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 what i've been trying to do (laughs) but
1: yeah yeah uh yeah thank you thank you for everything you're doing and and the the voices of regeneration youtube series which i'll link to in the show notes just a beautiful body of work and and is, is there any is there anything else you'd want to mention in terms of where people might?
0: Well, I mean, the, the two places that I've been a bit excessive in putting out stuff is, is on Medium, this um, this aggregator blog, medium.com. Um, and somehow it, it picked up my first Gmail email, which is designed for sustainability. So it, it, it ended up designed for sustainability at medium.com or something. But if you put Medium and you put my full name, you'll find the blog. And there's there's about 490 articles like my entire book in in individual chapters, um, part of my doctoral research, my master's research, lots of articles I've written since, um, some some academics, some non-academic. Um, some of them are just like collections um, of, of resources on bioregionalism, for example, or... Yeah. I, I wrote a lot of curriculum for Gaia Education's online course in Design for Sustainability. Mm-hmm. And I always felt uneasy with the way that they were hiding it behind the paywall. So I found a bit of a way with them to, to be able to share the stuff that I wrote by by saying, well, that promotes your course, doesn't it? And and so there's a lot of their course on, on there as well. Um, and, and so, yeah, the, the, the two places is basically the YouTube channel and, and, and the, the Medium blog. Um, I I haven't been updating my website in about six years.